Hello, and welcome back to the Here Together podcast from the Philadelphia Orchestra. I'm your host, Tori Marcioni, and this is a space to hear from the artists, activists, and today, administrators, working hard to build a more equitable future, inside and outside the concert hall. You just heard Michelle Kahn with the Philadelphia Orchestra playing Florence Price's Piano Concerto No. 1 from February 2021. Now, on to our guest. Matthias Tarnopolsky, the former clarinetist and current president and CEO of the Philadelphia Orchestra Association, just led the 120-year-old institution through one of its most challenging years to date, navigating a pandemic that emptied concert halls in the midst of a clarion call for greater equity in all aspects of society, where others panicked or folded altogether. He stayed open and committed to making deep change. Now, the internet was already abundant with praise for Matthias's leadership, musical depth, and vision. But the headline that stood out to me the most came from a 2009 article by the late critic Andrew Patner. It announced Matthias's appointment as executive and artistic director at Cal Performances in Berkeley, the post he held for a decade before coming to Philadelphia. It read, A good man is found by UC Berkeley's Cal Performances. This struck me in part because of how unlikely it is that such a headline would be written today. The bar for goodness, particularly among middle-aged white men like Matias, has rightly been raised in the past few years. But the Buenos Aires-born, London-raised, now 51-year-old of Eastern European Jewish lineage still very much identifies with goodness as a foundational character trait. The way I was raised was really about I think values that transcend nationality, religion, culture. They raised us, my brother and I, principally they wanted us to be good people who value learning, value friends and family, make wholesome contributions to the world. Are those South American values, are those Jewish values, are those Anglo-Saxon values? I think those are human values. But that's also the kind of thing people say when they don't really know about what their own biases are. Matthias is working to unravel those biases, though, and he's certainly been a good influence on the Philadelphia Orchestra since coming aboard in 2018, when he inherited an organization that had just accidentally programmed an entire season without a single female composer. Since taking the lead, Matthias has spearheaded an ambitious turnaround, programming more diverse composers, launching the Our City, Your Orchestra Community Concert Series, overseeing a new partnership with the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts, alongside a shift to the digital stage. All the while, interrogating the status quo through the lens of ideas, which stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, Access, Strategies. And he's still just getting started. I, I love what I do. I never take it for granted. I pinch myself because I feel incredibly fortunate. But you can never relax or rest on your laurels. That's for sure. As you you proved in this past year, no resting. <laughs> <laughs> no resting, yes. And you've said many times that you believe that music is a fundamentally democratizing force. And I find that really interesting especially because Western classical music in particular is seen as one of the most elitist and rarefied forms out there. So how do those things coexist when, I guess my first question is, is elitism actually fundamental to the culture of, of Western classical music? Well, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, Western classical music is a communal shared act. It is, you know, it has become something that happens on the stage and is sort of delivered from on high to the audience. But everything that we represent is about that connection, is about the joy, the transformative power of music. And music is inherently a communal act. It's not something that, that you can do alone. Now, has music history being been inclusive and equalizing? Absolutely not. And we need to change. We need to change the way we look at uh, the musical canon and the choice of the choice of composers, the choice of performers. We need to change, and that's why you'll see even on this forthcoming season, music by Mozart and Bruckner, of course, alongside music by Jesse Montgomery and Florence Price, in the same programs, in the same breath as Mozart and Bruckner, and that's what we need to do. Here's a bit of Jesse Montgomery's Starburst, performed by the Philadelphia Orchestra on the digital stage in December 2020. Programming is crucial. Celebrating composers who aren't dead white men is a great step towards making concert music more inviting and interesting to BIPOC listeners. But once these coveted audience members arrive, they probably won't see themselves adequately represented on stage. And that's a big problem. One technique designed to diversify orchestras and reduce hiring biases is the blind audition, in which musicians play from behind a curtain. And this tact sort of worked. Since blind auditions became popular around the 1950s, top orchestras have seen an enormous influx of women on stage. Today, U.S. orchestras are around 40% female. But while blind auditions leveled the playing field for the elite musicians who were already in the room, they didn't open any new doors to those who'd been systematically shut out. I don't know. It's a question of why, why do blind auditions not work, but more like why does the system more broadly not work why are there not more musicians of color or bipoc musicians feeling welcome to the audition process of major orchestras like ours and that's part of the issue maybe they look at the orchestra and they see you know three four black people on stage uh, in the case of african americans and they think well this isn't for me so we need to change that is it also that we're not creating an environment where there are as few barriers as possible to come to an audition? And by that, I mean not just come to the audition, receive the training to prepare, the possibility of a fellowship in a major orchestra, uh, access to postgraduate training, for example. Um, we need to make sure that there is real equality of access. Let's make sure that they have the same opportunity, you know, as the... As, as many of the white kids will, I mean, to put it bluntly. And the way that the orchestra is looking at diversity is from, you know, many, many different lenses. So it's not just about uh, representation of one or other particular community. But uh, in particular, uh, but as we're now speaking in particular, there are very few black people in the, uh, in the Philadelphia Orchestra and that has to change. 
Yeah, even more important considering 42% of the orchestra's home city of Philadelphia is black, while only about 3% of its musicians are. Um, But now I want to get into politics versus values, because it's a charged time, and it can be hard to have a humanist, values-based conversation, which seems to be what you're most interested in. So how do you navigate that? Do you just have to not worry about it at a certain point? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to speak the truth, and I think you have to be true to your values. I mean, really, if others want to ascribe political motivations about basic human rights, then, you know, so be it. You know, we're speaking about right and wrong. Is it is it really too much to ask in our society that every every kid in the Philadelphia school district has access to great facilities, Wi-Fi, a hot meal. Is that too much to ask? I mean, for some of the kids, the only hot meal is at school. I mean, what does it say about our society, the level of poverty just just here in Philadelphia? You know, to speak up about it as a cultural organization, to say, okay, we're going to have programs that shine a light on these issues in our society. We're going to make sure that every Philadelphia school teacher can come to our concerts for free. That's hardly political. I mean, that's that's just about right and wrong. I would not tell you what I know. That was an excerpt of You Want the Truth, But You Don't Want to Know, from X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X, composed by Anthony Davis and performed by Devon Tynes as part of a three-work cycle, Sermon, that he debuted with the Philadelphia Orchestra on the digital stage in May 2021. Did you have a sense as you were coming up through your clarinet learning years and then as you went on for your master's in musicology and all that did you have a sense of how vocational the path would become like I'm not clear on when things started to flip but it's very clear now that community engagement is a huge focus of education for up-and-coming musicians did you sense that trend as you were coming up that it would become like it almost sounds like missionary work sometimes the way that it's posed I think I started seeing a shift about, you know, maybe 20 years ago where that explicit connection was being made when school districts started reducing, that's probably 30 years ago now, reducing support for music education programs in schools. And then there were the effects of it. And then musical organizations, arts organizations just had to step up. So... um, it is like this sort of missionary work. You have to have that missionary zeal, and it's fundamentally important. You can't be an orchestra and be ignoring what's happening on your doorstep in terms of kids' access to music education, live performance, 
let alone larger social issues that you can shine a mirror on. We're organizations in the public good. We have musicians who are active in the community, you know, who you bump into at the supermarket, who the kids can see at schools. You know, music is about connection. was the improvisation by Wynton Marsalis that opened the Philadelphia Orchestra's inaugural Here Together event on June 6, 2020. You probably recall the potent energy around that time. Protests for racial equity were erupting worldwide in the wake of the murders of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. The concert brought the orchestra's international community together for a healing conversation in music and words to honor the preciousness of Black lives. It also marked a moment of public recommitment to creating a more inclusive and equitable future. More than a year later, it has evolved into this. Here, podcast. My last question is about something that you said, I believe in response to the COVID-19 crisis, um, but that you value being responsive over reactive. And that kind of all circles back to the good man conversation of like, these are hard conversations. These are hard times, high stakes. How do you stay in that space of being responsive instead of reactive? You've got to really listen, listen, listen to what's happening around you. Know what the environment's telling you. Have confidence in your ideas. Not so much that they'll be right, but they're going to make things better trust your colleagues. I mean, you know, it's not just me, it's a team of people here, you know, and, um, you know, we try and get it right as often as as often as we can. And, and COVID, yeah, on March 12th, 20 needed a reaction. And what was that reaction? Let's get cameras in the house. Let's get this concert online, even if people aren't going to be there. Um, George Floyd needed a response. And uh, it's better to be in the space of response than in reaction because you know we're still very early in the rebuilding phase here uh covid's not over um there is a long long way to go and we've got to get audiences back we've got to get the orchestra back on stage fully and properly and welcome everybody back and every day take more steps in that journey that includes being a more inclusive diverse equitable and accessible organization And I would argue that your moves to go to the digital stage, that was actually responsive because reactive would have been going "Ah," and just canceling everything and waiting for it to end. So kudos. Yeah. And all credit to the organization for jumping on the digital stage, because that really was the way we stayed connected powerfully with everybody who wanted and needed the solace of music. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to the Here Together podcast. I'm Tori Marcioni, and we'll be back next month with more conversations about music, social justice, and all the life in between. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. Questions, criticism, compliments, and suggestions are all welcome. To play us out is a bit more of Michelle Kahn performing Florence Price's Piano Concerto No. 1. And be sure to stay tuned for another work by Price, her Symphony No. 4, which is a highlight of the Philadelphia Orchestra's exciting opening weekend program as they return to in-person concerts. Until next time, stay safe and be well. Thank you.